welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I'm your host, Emily Rose, and how is everybody doing on this fine day? I I want to get started with a confession. So for those who are listening in July, I told you guys about how I was going to do this kind of like sober July, sobuli, July, Jalent, you know, whatever you want to call it, where I was going to quit coffee and weed for a month. And this is like my all or nothing gene. You know, I, I'm like, well... If you're going to change one thing, you may as well change everything. And the whole idea overall was to see if I would have more energy. I'm just going to tell you right off the bat about how it went. Uh, not well, bitch. <laughs> not well. I cheated and <laughs> and I'm sorry for that. And I partook in both things that I said I was going to revoke for the month. I wanted to come to you guys with some sort of like inspiring takeaway that I would have from this time. I told you guys partly because I wanted to be accountable and I was like, people can do it with me. And you guys told me about your ideas for like what you wanted to give up. And I was like, okay, amazing. And then I was going about my month and I was just feeling more and more exhausted all around uh, and stressed. (laughs) I just, yeah, I cheated. And the problem is that when I cheated, I felt incredible. (laughs) Like with both, with both coffee and the devil's lettuce. Uh, Well, at least where I live, they're both legal adulterants of our state of mind. But I think that's what I need right now or would like to have to just take the edge off. Also, it's not like I think of myself as some sort of like inspirational health hero or anything, but I thought I would have like a cool, like this is how much I like grew and learned and I feel so much better now. No, I'm very much back on the wagon and happy to be there. In the past year and a half, I've had about every change. I've had about every life change imaginable. I had my mom die. I moved across the country. I I gave up my stable job that I had, did about three different jobs, started content creation. Like, there's just a lot going on. And apparently me juggling that while raw dogging reality is just not in the cards. I guess everything in moderation, including moderation. So it was a good reset to do like a little less of both, but I, I just had to be honest. So that's where I'm at. And I hope that you guys are doing what you need to do, whether that looks like a peaceful self-care journey or whether it's like, you know, you need to let loose and party a bit, whatever. Just, I I hope you're doing that. I hope you're doing what you need. Uh, for today's episode, we've got the lovely Sammy P, who many of you already know, uh, the person who tolerates me texting her at all hours of the day with all kinds of word salad. We're going to get down to business and talk about Alec and Hilaria Baldwin. And I got this message, I think a week or two ago from one of you who's like, Hey, I looked everywhere on the main feed and on the Patreon for an episode about Alec and Hilaria. And I I feel like you should be there. Like, am I just imagining this? And it's like, I was just like, you guys know me so well. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Sam and I had planned on doing an episode about them a few months ago. It got postponed and I'm a little bit obsessed with both of them and their story. So we're finally sitting down, picking it back up. We're going to get into it. We're going to cover 
the life and legacy of Alec and Hilaria. And maybe that'll finally temper my slight obsession that I have with them. And I've got a couple new listeners here. If, if you're new here and you would like to support the pod, please subscribe to the pod, download the episode, hit me with a five-star review. And as always, if you've got constructive criticism, I'm here for it. That's how I grow. If you've got unconstructive criticism, I would say the best way to go about that is, you know, those little rocket ships that we had as kids, like, I think they were kind of dangerous. There were those little kits that you could build and the rockets would go like super high in the air. Was this like an after-school science club thing or did everyone do this? Um, but you could get one of those and you could write your thoughts on it and just like tie it to the rocket ship and then just send it up and out. That would be my recommendation. So this week on the Patreon, we've got Cam from What I Will Say podcast talking all about Grammy Gate. So that's the entire scandal of Joe Alwyn allegedly getting a Grammy for work that he allegedly didn't do. Whether you know better or not, it's quite the epic saga. And I am biased, but I think it's a riveting tale. So that'll be out on Wednesday. It's $5 a month for an extra episode every week. And that's it. Anyhow, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Hey, Emily. It's really nice to see you. Um, I've been jet setting all around Canada and now I'm back home and feeling fine. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? Um, I'm doing great actually. Yeah. I'm feeling (laughs) awesome. Yeah. I'm feeling zesty. I don't know. I've been doing the freelance thing for a little while now and I feel like it's kind of turning the corner from like sheer panic 24 seven, uh, and confusion and just like thrashing around trying to like teach myself to swim to like, I'm doggy paddling, you know? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. I just caught up with an old friend who just switched to freelance consulting and she was saying how much she loves it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely got its challenges and it's great too. I have the challenge of like, I can just be really hard on myself and like spiral really deeply into that. My main challenge is like getting out of my own way and not being like an asshole boss to myself. So I'm, I'm, I I've been working on that and I think I'm making some, some progress. Yay. Oh my God. So happy to hear progress. The word progress. Wow. It's beautiful. Progress, efficiency, synergy, (laughs) buzzwords. Yeah. It's all, it's all there. It's all happening. Plowing forward bravely into the unknown. Yeah. Flailing into the unknown, sometimes gliding, doing doing my best. In other news, I kind of had this moment of realizing how dramatic we are along with uh, our friends. <laughs> I don't know if we're ready to talk about this yet, about things falling apart within our, our beloved friendship, but you sent that text to the group about, do you know what, I, do you know what I'm referring to? No, I'm on the edge of my seat. What? You sent a text to us about not being a gayler anymore. And it was like pandemonium erupted. Like, oh, okay. Okay. You know what? I did have to announce it in the most dramatic way possible, but I, it's not really true. You tr- you announced it in the most dramatic way possible. And then we reacted also in the most dramatic way possible. And I was like, okay, I guess we need to start from the beginning. Also, I'm going to put timestamps on this. If you guys are sick of us talking about gayler stuff, like you can just skip ahead, but this is more about us and friendship. this is just a therapy session for us and we've chosen this medium (laughs) as usual no as usual we do it on the pod so (laughs) you're like hey guys and by guys i mean me thea and kade who are a couple who for anyone who's on the patreon they were the guests on our vanderpump symposium episode you're like hey 
I need to tell you something. I feel absolutely sick to my stomach over this, but I'm not a gayler anymore. And you just had COVID. We were all like, Sam, you have brain COVID. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone was messaging me. Your fever's unbroken. You're talking crazy. You need to get to the hospital right away. And honestly, I did believe it for like, I was like, okay, maybe I don't feel like myself still after COVID the second time. So maybe it's actually part of that. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. Should we contact the, the CDC and mention that this could be a potential side effect of like <laughs> becoming a Hitler? Because like, <laughs> okay, I need to clarify, you know, Thea was enraged. Thea was like, this feels like a hate crime. And <laughs> No, Emily, in in my group chat with just Kate and Thea, she changed it from the thruple to two gays and a homophobe. (laughs) Kate told me. I was actually hurt. Um, I've been through a lot. Look, I'm not saying that I don't think Taylor Swift is bi. She probably is or might be. I just think her and Joe are real. And that was something I never believed. And then I actually was like, fuck. I read the, the Joe timeline on Tumblr and there's no fault in the timeline. She wrote a, but all the love songs on Reputation after she was dating Joe. I'm so sorry. No, I mean, it doesn't like affect me because this isn't, I'm not taking this as like fact. I mean, you even sent like a master doc of where you got the information from. And I was like, Sam, I have a Swiftcron episode to promote. I cannot be engaging with this type of material. No, like, no, I know. It is honestly, the material is toxic. It's hateful. It's horrible. I hate engaging with toe material. I won't do it anyway. I've had to take a full step back because it was such a horrible journey. You know, it was just a reminder that we are insane and that what we project on Taylor is parasocial insanity. That's We true. don't know her. We don't know what is true and what is not. We have theories and when they make really good sense and you start getting on that track and you're like, yes, it all adds up. That's a great feeling. But at the end of the day, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know her. And at the end of the day, we were treating you like a hysteria patient in like the 1800s. (laughs) We're like, we need to sedate you. Like, I'm not in your town. They were like, we can bring you soup. Like, we can drive you to the hospital if you need. Like, that was genuine. Oh, and like, I'm always going to be a gayler. That's the only way I can engage with her music is thinking of it through that lens, through a queer lens, then it's beautiful. There's this comment on the Gaylor Swift subreddit that was like, I don't know if she's gay or not, but if she's straight, she's insufferable. (laughs) And that's exactly how I, she could be straight. That's cool. Good for her. She could be in love with Joe. That's fine. But then that makes the music insufferable for me. Yeah. If she was straight, then that means that in the You Need to Calm Down music video, she basically shoved a bunch of gay people to the side and put herself at the front and center of a gay pride parade. <laughs> yeah, and like promoting the lover era with rainbows and with a bracelet that she was wearing that said proud and like, it's weird. And then to never speak of it again, to just throw it to the side after that era and not be an advocate and not be doing really much of anything. Like, I'm just like, okay. Yeah, okay. she's, she's just some chick at the end of the day. You know, At the end of the day, she's just some chick who's a great songwriter and like, who the fuck knows about the other stuff. And there's so many artists that we appreciate their art, but we don't have to like the character of the person. Like, I'm not talking about them doing something heinous, but I just mean like, we don't have to enjoy their personality to enjoy the art they make. Totally. And like, this was all happening at the same time as her private jet stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, Taylor is not what I project upon her. Like, she's not this whatever I, I saw her as. She's just a very flawed, famous, rich person. Which is just like us, except for without the rich and famous part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a bunch of deeply flawed, dramatic people doing what we 
do best. <laughs> yeah. And I, and in our very first Gaylor episode, I remember saying like, look, right now I'm a Gaylor. Six months ago, I was a Hitler. I might be a Hitler again in six months because I, I just have this obsession with finding the truth. And when there's no way of finding it and confirming it, I kind of go insane. This is peak Gemini behavior. Yeah. Like I hate not having the facts. Like I love interpreting the art through that lens, but the fact that I cannot confirm if it's true or not it's, maybe you anyway. should write her some fan mail and just ask her if she could just clarify <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna write like a, send an open letter style like video like of me crying and demanding to hear from her and tagging her a like, hundred times <laughs> an open letter in your notes app posted to the grid and tagging her <laughs> yeah oh my god no i feel bad for her she has so many crazy stalkers and i guess i'm borderline one of them <laughs> yeah yeah, I know. We're like, wow, look at all these crazy people over there just like obsessing over things for hours and hours. <laughs> yeah, tree, that was a joke. I am not making a threat against Taylor. I would never do anything to harm her. Yeah, tree pain and her team, like it has to be like the CIA. You know, like those people who get um, the CIA visiting them when they when they tweet something? Yes. Like, <laughs> and they're like, I'm fucking over it. Like I could just like kill myself and everyone around me and then the, the like fbi <laughs> shows up at their house like we take threats very seriously yeah um, <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised we mean no harm we only send love and light really to almost everyone we talk about unless we specifically specify that they're a monster we're sending them darkness yeah then we wish ill upon them yeah that's how i feel about dane cook right now Oh my God. You know what the thing about Dane Cook that I was realizing, I I made a post about it and someone wrote to me and they were like, I feel so ashamed to admit this, but I used to love his comedy when I was a teenager. And I flash back to remembering that I had, I had downloaded on LimeWire, like one of his comedy sets or a couple of them. And I used to listen to them. I thought they were hilarious. He was a very popular comedian. He was like hot shit when he blew up. But we were wondering if maybe it was subtly directed at teen girls or just like kept as content that was good for all ages. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was sexual stuff in there, but at the same time, it's like you could be a comedian who your whole thing is like, oh, me and my wife or like, you know, traffic and is crazy. Or I don't know, just just like very boring adult problems and then make them funny. But his mm-hmm. was more kind of like universal. And I just wonder if that was overt or unconscious. Yeah, it's so hard to know. Um, so what what I'm talking about, just in case, I'm sure people saw it on your on your Instagram stories that you shared that Tracy Egan Morrissey like had dug up all these receipts that, well, Dane Cook got engaged to a 23 year old girl that he's been dating since she was 17, and he's 50, and he's been like having these like huge game night parties filled with teen girls and old male comedians, literally like 15, 16, 17 year old girls and 40 to 50 year old men. <laughs> what kind of party is that? Have you? Could you imagine the vibe? I, I, it's like every part of me like curls inward. And like, he's been doing this for years. Game night is this institution. And so Tracy Egan Morrissey, who like, we're going to, by the way, she's going to be a feature also of this, the subject of (laughs) this week's podcast. So I'll link her Instagram in the description in case anyone doesn't follow her already, but she just, she does the most incredible, I don't know what you call it, like Instagram detective work. She just, yeah. She does her homework so thoroughly and she went back through game night, figured out everyone who he had tagged, their ages, um, whether they followed each other. And it, it just seemed like, yeah, he, he would get them while they're like 15 to 17 and then there would be like no record after them talking. Yeah, like something would end badly because they all, all unfollowed him. All the teen girls, all the Bella Thorns, the Joey Kings, other actresses that are less well known. But even if like there was no 
particular incident, the fact remains that, or most of us have had some version of experience where it's like, you're younger and you get attention from someone who's older and you're like, you feel cool. And then you get older and you're like, what the fuck was that loser doing paying attention to me? High school. Yeah, I know. And I, and I had sent you that comment section of a separate news story that was about Demi Lovato coming out with a song reflecting negatively on her time where she was 17 and dating Wilder Valderrama when he was 29 and being like, well, I'm 29 now and I wouldn't date a fucking kid, you know, like it's, we all gain perspective as we get older. And it's just such a shame when, when adults use their, use their power to do sick things. And I had a moment being like, you're 29. No, you're no, that was, I was speaking as Demi. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. 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 In, in her song, she was like, who she's, she has, yeah, we're saying her because she switched her pronouns back. And my response to that story was like, I don't, okay, I don't agree with this, but I think that her switching her pronouns back is the type of thing that I knew, I knew would garner negative press. It was like the same kind of press when she changed her pronouns to they, them. Anyone is allowed to change their pronouns as much as they want. Anyone is allowed to go on whatever journey with gender that they want. Like it really doesn't have to be this Mm -hmm. thing that, that is set in stone, but Mm -hmm. it's just like, this is the type of thing that conservatives latch onto (laughs) conservatives and bros love. Like it's like catnip to them where they love me. Like, (laughs) like people already can't stand Demi Lovato. And then I knew that that was going to just bring up this wave of hatred. It's kind of always simmering. And then, Yeah. yeah. And then right after she released the song and then the comment section was so disappointing. It was horrible. It was, like, it was 100% toxic. There was like 400 comments and I think only two of them were even slightly like defending her and her like right to write an, a song about her experience being groomed as a teen. Everyone else was like, oh, shut the fuck up. You liked it. We all know you wanted it at the time. Like now you're turning against him. He's done nothing wrong. He has a wife and kids for God's sake. <laughs> It's so funny what people uh, do, the gymnastics. Yeah, I was glad to see also Kelly of um, Beyond the Blinds and Laguna Biatch on Instagram. She also posted about it and was like, what the fuck is wrong with this comment section? Um, But yeah, people are just waiting for an excuse to be fucking assholes. You know, they're just just waiting for like a proxy. And they love to blame the victim. It's, It's such a just perennial thing that people are dying to do. They just are like, oh, okay, someone's been victimized. What's the quickest way I can completely erase the right of that victim to speak out about this and defend their abuser? Yeah. (laughs) So speaking of Tracy Morrissey, she basically broke the story that we're going to talk about today. This is going to be a deep dive on my favorite couple, Hollywood sweethearts, Hilaria and Alec Baldwin. (laughs) Another May-December romance, but... (laughs) They really have what it takes to stay together, which is about 24 kids between them. (laughs) Yeah, 24 years and 24 kids, it feels like. (laughs) (laughs) Or or about 12 years and 24 kids. Like it feels like they have two kids a year, which we will get into. Doubling up and tripling up. They've got Hilaria pumping them out. They've got possibly multiple surrogates. (laughs) Oh, we will get to that. Um, but (laughs) but I'm just gonna I'm gonna kick this off with a little compliment sandwich for Hilaria. (laughs) before we get into uh the material which is just that i have to say everyone from her past and current life says she's a nice person Mm -hmm. that she's like a good mom like a nice person a good wife like she has no stories of like being rude to people rude to waiters whatever so that's great 
But the fact is that she has made up a backstory that is entirely false and also like wildly entertaining because she she's just she's living her best Rachel Dolezal life. She's the yeah. Rachel Dolezal of Spain. So we're going to talk about it. She's like the cutest little grifter there ever was. Yeah, she's yeah, she's quite the uh, she's quite the grifter. So we're going to get into like some of her scandals, we're going to get into Alex's scandals and just celebrate their life and legacy. <laughs> <laughs> she grew up as many of us know, Hillary Hayward Thomas. And she grew up right outside of Boston to two very white American parents living like a very like upper-class Bostonian existence because her family, you can trace it back. There's tons of documentation. They have been there before the American revolution. So they're basically like American settlers. They're both professors. Her mom was an assistant professor of medicine at Harvard medical school. Her dad worked in real estate and philanthropy and together they had their kids living in a $4 million house doing very well for themselves in the city of Boston, not Boston, Spain. <laughs> like, <laughs> we know there's like London, New York and like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's London, Ontario. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're talking Boston mass here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shout out to you. Mass holes. Just kidding. Yeah. Is that offensive? Is, is that a oh. cute nickname? <laughs> not offensive, but is that like a cute thing? Or is that when you want to like insult someone? <laughs> I, I think it's got some affectionate undertones. Well, we mean it purely affectionately. We comes. love our Massachusetts listeners. So, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So basically she was living her life in Boston, got married to Alec. They had many Balduinitos and here's when things went south. So Amy Schumer kind of started this thing in a way. So just to back up, Hilaria loves posting. I'm going to call them loosely workout videos. I don't exactly know how to like describe. It's like a lot of both pregnant and when she's not pregnant lingerie kind of like lightly writhing content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember if it's her that calls them the micro movements or, or what, but she likes to do just like tiny, tiny, tiny little movements of like lifting her legs or like doing like hip circles. Like, yeah. Um, and yeah, she loves a good ride. So she loves having kids. And then she loves doing the like three days later, doing a photo being like, I lost all the weight. I can't believe it. it's amazing. I worked so hard. And like, here we are. Like not, <laughs> not three days, but like actually 10 days. Like there is yeah. <laughs> with her with like a full six pack and like, oh my God, I worked so hard. And here I am 10 days later after birth. Like, can't believe it. Yeah. She'll be like, you know what? The thing is you guys, like if you just stay fit all throughout the pregnancy, like you don't have to lose the baby weight. Like that's what no one tells you anyway. Hopefully you found that helpful <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. it's very that so amy schumer i think amy schumer maybe was pregnant at the time or, or maybe she just she basically just reposted one of these photos and was just like same lol trying to be like oh my god so relatable she just reposted hilaria in her lingerie holding her baby and was like look it's me and jean like yeah just, yeah just lol. like the most basic joke like yeah just a simple lol yeah, so then Hilaria hops on the mic and she <laughs> gives the disclaimer that she loves jokes. I guess I love jokes. I love jokes so much. I'm a funny, I love funny things. I love funny people. This was not funny to me. And people like notice that her Spanish accent <laughs> that she was known for was gone. Then we get a tweet from at Len Briscoe on Twitter. You gotta admire Hilaria Baldwin's commitment to her decade-long grift where she impersonates a Spanish person. <laughs> the floodgates open. This yes. is like full pandemonium. She has been flying under the radar for decades with this whole Spanish Totally. Game. 
Yeah. It's it's the same with Rachel Dolezal. Like Rachel Dolezal was living and thriving like president of president of the, of the NAACP. Yeah. Lecturing in African-American studies at universities, like fully thriving as an African-American woman unquestioned because also who's going to be like, your complexion seems off. You know, are you really the race you say you are? That's not where people's like minds usually go. No, I know, but there's just something about us whites where like the urge apparently is rampant to just take on another culture and identity. It's like baffling and like weirdly common. So so then her whole Rachel Dolezal backstory gets exposed thanks to Tracy Morrissey. So she goes on her Instagram with all the receipts. <laughs> she pulls up so much press. I'll just list some of them off. So she did two full cover stories for Hola magazine, um, where she said in both of them that she was born in Mallorca and that English is her second language. On a podcast, she said, she said, I, I, oh, I, I moved here when I was 19 to go to NYU. And they were like, oh, from where? And she, oh, my family lives in Mallorca. So like, she's kind of, sometimes she'll say overtly, like I'm from Spain. And sometimes she's just like, oh, my family lives there, which is technically true, but it's a little bit of an omission. Her talent agency's website that she worked with said born in Mallorca, Spain and raised in the U.S., And then told the New York Times that she didn't know who Alec Baldwin was when they met because she didn't have a TV in Spain growing up. The gag is all the evidence says that the first time she set foot in Spain, she was 27 years old. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's that is the gag. Like that's that's the goop and the gag. There is so much of a paper trail. But I guess she also just wasn't high profile enough for people to really dig into this. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's like kind of impossible. You can prove that she was born and raised and went to school in the States for her entire life. She was performing as a dancer under the name Hillary Hayward Thomas at age 22. Like she never went abroad to Spain for any significant amount of time. No, it's a good thing overall that we as a society like aren't going on a witch hunt, trying to expose people and like see whether their background is really what they say they are. Basically, her family's obsession with Spain came after her brother Jeremy went to Mallorca on a school trip in high school. And then later on, her parents decided to move there after they retired. This is where the like age 27 comes into play. Her parents retired in 2011 in Spain. This was when she was 27 years old. One year later, she married Alec. So <laughs> all documented. I think this is on like the Mass General website or, or some like related website. It was like talking about a profile on her mom, retired in Spain, but worked as an associate physician and assistant professor at, of medicine at Massachusetts General Hospital in 2012. Mm-hmm. Also not a job you can do remotely, <laughs> be a no. doctor and professor. I'm th- I was thinking about my own life and it's like, I grew up in a place that is, it's fully bilingual. It's fully like two cultures, like French Canadian. And then also there's a significant Anglophone population or like English is our first language. And also like the language laws are pretty strict here. So it's like, even if you're an Anglophone, which I, which I grew up as, you have to go to elementary school almost entirely in French. A lot of high schools in French, you were living most of your life and your education in French. And then when you go into a store or restaurant, they say bonjour, hi. And then whatever you answer, if you answer them back in French or English, they'll switch to that. That's just like common. So it's like speaking French is, but I really miss it when, when I'm away from Quebec for a while. And I really, I do feel like it's part of me as a person, but like, it's not, I'm not like, Emily, bonjour. (laughs) 
Je m'appelle. Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. My name is Emily. You know, it's not like that. Uh, yeah. And if people ask you your background, you wouldn't be like, I'm multi. I'm multi. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> that's straight, straight from the mouth of babes. Uh, that was like part of her defense was that she called herself multi and fluid. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Like, it's a bit much. It, we don't love to hear people co-opting language from other movements. <laughs> being a grifter and pretending you have a different backstory than you have is not the same as being gender fluid and being, oh, what did Rachel Dolezal call herself? Transcultural or something? Yeah, they always make up a word when they're caught. Well, they, I yeah. say they as if there's a lot. There's not many examples of this. And this is also why I've made the Rachel Dolezal comparison is because when both of them were called out, they just doubled down. They just, they dug their heels in and they were like, yes, no, I'm fucking Spanish. I believe it in my heart. And that's what I am. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. Rachel Dolezal still out there, like with a head full of braids. She changed her name to, I might be mispronouncing this. If we have anyone who's listening, who's Nigerian, I'm sorry, but she changed it to the Nigerian name, Nikeshi Amare Diallo. Oh my God. Talk about tripling down. After being caught. Yay. Oh yeah. Fully was like, this is who I am. Yeah. In fact, I'm even more African than you thought. <laughs> oh my God. That's yeah. so bizarre. I mean, I understand why after how humiliating it is to be Rachel Dolezal, why she would change her name, but. <sighs> Maybe just change your name to like Jane Doe and just disappear. Yes. Like be yeah. inconspicuous and just. You yeah. Know, but instead she's like. Be like a web developer behind the scenes. You know, like just do something where. No- do something else. Yeah. Yeah. No, no just. Just, just like learn from it, get quiet for a while and, and just grow. Like I can see how Hilaria got carried away. Like she's like, oh, I'm a really boring person actually. And this gives me like something to say to reporters. It's a cuter story about me and Alec. If I'm like this like little Spanish lady, <laughs> I don't know. Like she just, and not just a girl he met in a restaurant who's much younger and also from Boston. They're both from Boston. And like, I don't know. She's just trying to make it a little zestier. Yeah, for people like that who change their voice, like I'm thinking of her. I'm also thinking of like Elizabeth Holmes. It's like, I would be sweating. Like I'd be going to bed so nervous that I would slip up. I'd have like nightmares about it. You know, just like keeping that facade. Well, that's like Paris Hilton. It reminds me of her too. Cause she like in her documentary kept being like, oh, I sorry, I keep like slipping into my baby voice. Like it's just like become part of my persona and it's hard for me to turn off, you know? Well, I think with, with Paris Hilton, I think it was kind of a protective mechanism slash it's genuinely what the producers of The Simple Life told her to do. And so she just filmed so many seasons that it's like this kind of, it's like a Pavlovian thing when their cameras are on her. Yeah. She said that before um, to slip yeah, into yeah. that. And then also the whole like babylicious, you know, what's the, what's the aesthetic? McBling. McBling. Like all that kind of goes well together. And I think her being another person kind of protected her from just like revealing who she really was inside. I mean, I'm all, I'm taking all of this from like her most recent you know, documentaries and interviews. Yeah. Like, obviously it's more problematic to do this when you're appropriating another culture than acting like a baby, but then appropriating baby culture. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Appropriating the baby experience. It's just like, maybe there's something psychologically similar between all these people. Like, why do you adopt a new persona? Why do you start lying and pretending? Like there's something inside of you that's not feeling good enough or not feeling safe or something. No, something's deeply broken if you're pretending to be someone else. But I I mean, I think ultimately it's what you said. It's like a white girl who thought she wasn't interesting enough being Hillary from Boston. It's funny because like, I was just thinking, so I was thinking about me growing up Quebecoise. um, And (laughs) also funny because 
So Oliver, my boyfriend, he's from Mexico. All his family's Mexican. He moved here, went to Canada when he was 25. So like, that would be like him pretending he's fully Canadian, trying to talk in a Canadian accent, being like, oh yeah, I grew up playing hockey, you know, fucking alpha yeah. rip there down. Like, like <laughs> what? <laughs> um, well, have you ever seen the movie The Room? Like about that really bad movie that was made. Um, not Room with Brie Larson. Not Room. Oh. Not room. <laughs> I was like, what does that have to do with it? Hello, Lamb. No, no, no. <laughs> hello, hello, table. <laughs> <laughs> I always think about that movie when I'm like depressed and like, mommy's having a gone day. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm so sorry to bring that up. Most depressing movie ever. No, no. The Room is like this cult classic really cheesy movie oh yeah they yeah. made like a movie about the making of the movie with james franco a few years back but right during his cancellation but um yeah that like there's like this really weird actor in it and he has like this thick and really hard to place accent that's like almost transylvanian or something and like that like hi mark and whenever he's asked where he's from he always just says new orleans <laughs> and then everyone's like but your accent he's like i don't have an accent <laughs> And then, so that's that's just the journey that he chose to go on. He's like, I'm an American, just like you. And like, <laughs> but but his accent's like almost un, like decipherable. Um, wow, love that for him. I haven't seen either the room or the remake. Do you recommend them? Um, I I don't know. It's just a weird film cult thing that you don't have to see them. No. Okay. All the list of like movies everyone's supposed to see. I haven't seen most of them, so I have. And don't start with this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To circle back to Ilaria, there's just like, <laughs> there's just so many instances where it's like, uh, also the other thing too, is that if your family has retired in Spain, let's say you go every year, I'm sure once you go and you do speak Spanish, like your accent is going to get like a little thicker, you know, maybe like when you're there and like right after returning and stuff. But it's like, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not what this is. It's like, you know, no. we have, we have this, <laughs> there's this Instagram post of her at Macy's with her kid on Santa's lap and she's like so glad we got to visit Papa Noel and it's just like <laughs> Hillary stop like it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to go that deep like a Spanish-speaking person could say Santa and like no one's gonna question them you know and like she's deliberately misled people as to where she was born where she's from like that's a fact she tries to deny that she's like I always my narrative has always been that I am from Boston I'm a bostonian yeah that is but that has not been her narrative no it's like yeah she's like everybody knows it's like no there's a very obvious paper trail but okay she doubled down again and again like she's basically been doing that since the scandal started like just say there's like you know my, my parents raised me with two cultures and i want to do the same with my children it's like they didn't <laughs> they only have one culture and that's colonizer yeah, I know. I mentioned I mentioned her in a video recently and and people were like, well, if her parents had that accent, like maybe she just picked up on it. It's like you can YouTube her parents talking. It's like Bostonian. Uh, yeah. OK, even I think it was last week where she posted this video about her kid not knowing the Spanish or not knowing the English word for a vegetable, which is so funny. <laughs> but she was like, oh, it looks like my kids are code switching just like their mom. And it's like not code switching Hillary so I know so I looked at so it actually it's a correct dictionary use of the term code switching which is defined as the practice of alternating between two or more languages or varieties of language in conversation but it's like 
come on. It's just not their experience. Like it's not the experience of having immigrant parents and having to bridge that gap between that world or being like speaking in a certain way with your friends and then having to speak differently at work or how you perceive to be culturally managed at your work. Like all those reasons are why the term exists. And she just kind of makes a mockery of of other people's struggles by including herself in them. Yeah. It's like, what's like with me in French, like I have little French words, you know, I sign off every podcast with au revoir, mes amours, like goodbye, my loves. It's like, I'm not being like, I'm code switching guys. Sorry. Like, oh my God, I just do Yeah, that. just another code switch. Je m'excuse. Oh my God, I mean, I'm <laughs> sorry. Like, I don't, you know, it's not like you hit on it. It's like, it is offensive ultimately because like it, being an immigrant from another country comes with challenges. And even if your financial system is okay, you still have these language and cultural cultural barriers to overcome, depending on the country, pretending to be part of that group and being like, I'm, I'm so confused. Life is so hard for people that are multi. Like her post about being multi was like talking about how hard it is to be that. And it's like, that is not, no, you grew up in a $4 million house in the suburbs of America. Yeah, to two white parents with no external culture, there was no code switching for you. Like that's not your experience and there's so much of the immigrant experience that should be spoken about and so it's just like it sucks that she's in the spotlight talking about it but it's not her fucking experience it's not her place to discuss these and that's like was what was that article that got written about like why she's like harmful with why, all this it's and- called it's called why the hilaria baldwin scandal is painful for immigrants including me and actually that was my next point which is alec her loving husband has come greatly to her defense. And he hit back after this article was published and wrote on Twitter. He tweeted directly at the author of this article, fake, exaggerated, appropriate in accent as an adult. She lived in Spain for many years as a child. She lived in both places. Cancel cultures like a forest fire in the constant need for fuel, functioning objectively, no prejudice, no code, just destroy the deserving and the undeserving alike. So he thinks she lived there for years as a child. That was going to be my question for you. So Alec has adamantly defended her in all this. Do you think he actually was aware that she wasn't Spanish? I think he has decided that if he lets this information in, it will crumble his whole life like a house of cards. And he's not accepting it. He's not going to take it on at all. He's also unhinged. Yeah. It's like trying to make sense of someone who doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I'd be like, well, if she lied about that, why did she lie? I guess to get me to marry her. Maybe he doesn't know her the way he thinks he does if he lets this all sink in, you know? Well, yeah. Engraved on their wedding ring, both of them, it's Somos un buen equipo. And their children's names. <laughs> oh, well, that, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> before I get into her kids, the Balduinitos, I'll just say that, like, you know, rich people having kids, really rich people and celebrities having kids is not like normal people having kids. You could be a normal person and not be around for your kids. But it's a different story than if you're a celebrity where it's like almost an institution of so many of them just pumping them out. You can have as many nannies on hand as possible. You can be gone most of the time. Do whatever the fuck you want. Like live in different houses because yeah. you have eight of them. And so like <laughs> you just have this hot young wife. I could just as easily see him like just not genuinely knowing her that well or like knowing and having some kind of cognitive dissonance where he just doesn't care yeah no I think he would care and I think he thinks everyone else is lying and she's telling him the truth but actually he's getting played a bit yeah well we're gonna get into Alec into his twisted mind 
Um, <laughs> so which like just shows just how much like chaos and nonsense there is. But first, yeah, we do have to talk about the Balduinitos. Should I read their names off? So they have six right now. And they, their names are beautiful if they were two Spanish people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. Like any. <laughs> yeah. Am I, am I being offensive with my accent? I'm just like impersonating Larry. I'm not, I'm not impersonating a Spanish person. You know, like I. Oh, do- no, I wasn't. <laughs> no, but I'm not. I just want, I was just like looking at their names and I'm like, these are really such sweet, beautiful names. And it's just weird that two white people would have kids named this. It's just weird. Yeah. Like, because it's like, you know, also like you could, you know, you could, you could be an English person and name your kid Jean. Like, that's fine. They're doing too much. And also, like, her Instagram bio is like raising Balduinitos. And anytime she refers to them as Los Balduinitos. So first we have Carmen Gabriela. Then we have Leonardo and Hel. Then Rafael Tomas. Rafael, of course, spelled with an F, like Spanish spelling. Romeo Alejandro. And then (laughs) Eduardo Pao Lucas. And Maria Lucia with the both accents. With Uh, the two accents on the eyes? Yeah, Maria Lucia. Like, both eyes have a little accent. Both eyes have the little... Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) good heavens it's good heavens indeed and also just aside from the balduinitos of it all they have a fuck ton of kids for any person in general and especially people in new york like it's just wildly uncommon to have seven kids if you're not religious there's there's an interview that alec did on conan after baby number five where he said conan's like oh are you gonna have any more kids and he's like alex said i i told her i wished her and her future husband all the best if she wants more kids i refuse so something happened uh three more times no wait two more (laughs) times math two more times after baby number five (laughs) good god yeah seven kids in manhattan seven kids in manhattan as for like the gestation of these children maria lucia is admittedly born by surrogate and the seventh balduinito she is putting out that she's pregnant with this kid i just have to say that the funniest review i've ever gotten for the podcast is a five-star review and then in all caps how dare you not mention hilaria baldwin's moon bump like you know it's true I was crying laughter. (laughs) Also, like, if you're going to yell at me, do it with a five-star review, and then I love you. (laughs) (laughs) That was the funniest shit to me. Because I did mention her, and I did say, like, almost this comforting thing that it's just, like, whatever happens in my life, and, like, through all the changes, like, Hilaria Baldwin's out there just pregnant (laughs) with a baby. Yeah, pregnant in heels. Pregnant in heels, doing her little ridey workouts. I am not going to get into like whether it's a moon bump or not or even what that is it just doesn't it just doesn't feel right right now with the news and the politics we don't know if her bump is fake and we we can't really can't really go there nothing much to say well i just feel like it's just i don't know it just the whole like having kids pregnancy like it's just such a oh i don't know it's always it's always a minefield and a depressing topic but especially now i don't know i just don't want to be like fanning the flames for anyone who's having like a hard time with it right now if you want to go down that rabbit hole, put into Reddit, Larry Baldwin moon bump, have yourself a time. Like <laughs> we're going <laughs> to, we're going to put a pin in that. We're not going to circle back. But yeah, also like, and while you're on the internet, check out her Instagram because you need to scroll for about two photos before you see like a, a writhing workout video, high heel, <laughs> high heeled writhing. And, oh, and by the way, I had a listener write in and say that Hilary was actually her Pilates instructor back in the day. And she said, 
if anything, she has been a consistent queen because she said (laughs) she was always doing her writhing workouts. That's like what she taught. And she's always been on her like I'm Spanish thing. Like she's, she would joke about how like hilarious on her birth certificate. So that always made school confusing. Yeah. Interesting. Which she has, I like, I wonder how much of it she believes. Like maybe she's more deeply under this delusion than we thought. I guess. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe she's in like a shutter Island type reality where they're like hilarious. Like, you you've never been to Spain and she's like no no I'm there right now you know like (laughs) (laughs) or like it's like a 2010s like movie plot where she went to Spain and like hit her head and woke up and like (laughs) yeah like like, woke up as a Spanish woman like you're actually Hillary from Boston she's like no 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 like no (laughs) yeah And they're like, how do you know Spanish? Like, no sé. Like, just. (laughs) (laughs) The Vatican comes down to check it out. They're like, we do not know how this woman learned Spanish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We suspect maybe the devil's involved. In general, like, I don't understand how her mind works. And like, there's many examples of that, like beyond just the Hillary Hilaria. So there was this post that we were, we were sharing amongst ourselves. It's just odd. So there was this post that she wrote about basically there was this paparazzi that was harassing her and her and her family and scaring her. I don't, okay. I'll just read you the post. I want you to be my friend. And it's like a photo of the guy and she tags him. We're an odd pairing because we know each other through him doing paparazzi work. You all know how violated we feel when we're being followed, which I was by him. I was losing my inner feeling of humanity by feeling divided from him. The Montagues and Capulets, the sharks and the jets, the vaxxers and anti-vaxxers, the Dems and Republicans, the celebs and the paps (laughs) reaching beyond our discomfort to connect with each other on a human level can surprise you. Said is a good man and amazing artist. He's a good father and a human. I'm privileged that he opened up to me. I'm better and happier for the experience. My fight and flight dissolved. Please check out his art. It's beautiful, but mostly reach out to that person. You never thought you would. We are so much more connected than different. We just have to put away our prejudices. Is this an, an endorsement for paps? No, but I still think it's wrong and a violation and the outlets that keep his behavior finance need to stop. But I can create boundaries, express myself, and love the whole human, not just get caught up in choices I may not see eye to eye with. My love to you, Saeed, and your beautiful family. May your art bring joy to the world. I know it does to mine. Thoughts? Yeah, I I know. It's so strange. It's just like wheeling all over the place. It's like, this man has made me feel unsafe, and my children feel unsafe, but honestly, I love him. (laughs) Honestly, I love him. And he still scares me. And so do they yeah. all. And they need to stop. But like, spies are now. Link in bio. Like, it's like, yeah. what? Wait, what? Yeah, she's an odd duck. Like, I don't know what else to say. It's well, weird. Yeah, she's an odd duck. And she's way more harmless than Alec. I knew he had controversy. But when we were doing the research for this episode, I was like, oh, he's kind of a monster. He's he's completely unhinged. I never saw this movie, but there's a movie with Russell Crowe where all he does is like, smash cars with bats and like go insane and it's all like triggered from like a road rage incident and i think he just like ends up killing people or something and i feel like that's alec that is alec yeah should we get into like his life and myriad of controversies i'd love so i am a big alec fan um i love 30 (laughs) rock (laughs) all that said i'm his biggest fan (laughs) i do like i think he's really funny i think he's a great actor i think he's intelligent like just looking at his work, like I, of course I don't, <laughs> I, don't yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't uh, agree with these actions in many cases, but I 
um, love 30 Rock. I love him as Jack Donaghy. And um, my dad likes him too. And he was like, oh, you're doing an episode on Alec Baldwin. You should watch him on Comedians Getting Coffee in Cars or whatever that Jerry Seinfeld show is. And like, he's so funny on it. I'm like, yeah, I won't. But like, I, I do think he's a funny guy. God bless him. Love is art. Don't condone punching anyone who's ever mildly annoyed you. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Stop punching people, Alec. And like, call your daughter, your first daughter, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. but, um, you know, he's been famous since he was really young, like Beetlejuice era. And he has three semi-famous brothers that are always kind of just riding his coattails. It's like they're all one third famous and together they make one famous Baldwin. Yeah, and like how in Clueless, like they use the word like Baldwin for like hot guy because at that time, apparently these were all considered hot guys. They've aged poorly. Yeah, it's hit them hard. (laughs) Yes, they've (laughs) aged poorly. Um, So there's Daniel, William, and Stephen, who is the father of our girl Haley Baldwin, now Haley Bieber. Um... Alec was married to Kim Basinger from 1992 to 2002, and they had Ireland, their daughter, um, and she's now 26 years old. And she has a great TikTok, which I recommend. She's yeah, funny. she's she's funny. She's definitely funny. Um, loved her roast. But let's get into some of his scandals. So he has punched like, a paparazzi in the face. Who hasn't? It's like there's so many scandals that it's like we need to read. It's like we need to read off the bullet points of them. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna just, we're just gonna blaze through these. So um, he was removed from an American Airlines flight <laughs> after he refused to stop playing words with friends and turned it into like they were like, hey, you have to put that away. And he ended up, you know, fighting everybody, cutting out the flight crew. He was arrested and dragged out in handcuffs. As someone who recently started playing words with friends, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a like couple you're... years late, but I really like it. I played a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and if someone tried to take that away from me, I would end them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. would I would I would go on a on a no fly list. To, <laughs> to keep my words with friends so you know um so he was also arrested after getting belligerent with a police officer who stopped him from riding his bike in the wrong direction in new york city okay i will say like a lot of his crimes start off hilariously innocently it's like yeah it just i mean it shows it just shows that when you're like a rageaholic unhinged person like it just doesn't matter what the situation is but it's like words with friends riding a bike on the wrong side of the road, like yeah and it's like these are stupid things. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's silly to be told by a police officer to like go on the other side, to ride your bike, whatever. But you know, he has that real sense of entitlement that only comes from being a rich white male actor. Yeah. who's like over 45. Yeah. Um, he tweets, New York city is a mismanaged carnival of stupidity that is desperate for revenue and anxious to criminalize behavior. One stop benign. Um, <laughs> he has such a like he has such a like pompous like twitter voice and he's always using it as like his diary for his like most like scandalous thoughts and it's like that's the exact thing you should not use twitter for yeah it's very yeah verbose and very do you know who i am yeah in 2017 he tweeted at one of harvey weinstein's victims if you paint every man with the same brush you're gonna run out of paint or men <laughs> He gets like he gets poetic with his completely unjustifiable rants, like a carnival of stupidity. You're gonna run out of paint and men. It's like it's like why did you need to make a quip about this? <laughs> Someone coming forward about their rape allegations, like just shut up. Well, yeah, I would think everyone would have gotten that memo, but uh, every no, time someone him. every time someone steps out, there's always people that show their true colors by being like, "You need to leave Harvey Weinstein alone." Yeah, I know. And then arrested once again in 2018 for 
punching a guy outside his apartment in New York City over a parking spot. Tisk tisk. This is his brand. Is like I, I'm surprised it's not like you know the list doesn't continue with like out to get an ice cream and like you know someone like bumped into him in his ice cream coat. It's like that type of <laughs> crime. Yeah, there, there's a definite lack of maturity that really comes across here, big time. And then and then there's I I would say the scandal that he's probably most well known for, which is the 2007 voicemail he left for Ireland Baldwin, who was 11 years old at the time, leaked to the press. Um, he was in the middle of a vicious custody battle. Basically, Ireland, 11 years old, didn't accept a scheduled phone call from him. So he left the following voicemail, which I think most of us have probably heard at some point, but I'll, I'll read it out. Oh my God, this is so bad. You don't have the brains or the decency of a human being. I don't give a damn that you're 12 years old or 11 years old or that you're a child. I'll let you know how I really feel about what a thoughtless little pig you are. You're a rude little pig, okay? Uh, like, I love that he exposes himself by like being like, I don't care if you're 12 or fuck 11 or how five. I don't know how old you are, but like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I give a fuck about how old you are. Like, it's my fucking call. Like... <laughs> He's clearly used to talking to his staff like that, like anyone around him. Right. Yeah. And like he hasn't been around that much if he's, you know, not sure of her age or like she sure can't take the time out of his day to call her a thoughtless little pig. Yeah. And then because of that, we find out that he surrounded himself with the cast of characters that are like same character as him. So this is this is his PR person. This is the statement that they put out to try to do damage control a week after this this leaked. In the best interest of the child, Alec will do what the mother is pathologically incapable of doing, keeping his mouth shut and obeying the court order. The mother and her lawyer leaked the sealed material in a violation of court order. Although Alec acknowledges that he should have used different language in parenting his child, everyone who knows him privately knows that what he has been put through for the past six years. Oh my God. And then like Kim Basinger class act was just the only statement that her um, her PR people release was the voicemail speaks for itself. Uh, absolutely. You do not have to say a word like, and like, what a rude little detail to call her the mother from a PR person, what they couldn't have put Miss Basinger. Like that is so dehumanizing. I really, really hate that. Yeah. I hate everything about that statement, but like to not use her name is especially rude. Yeah. Because even if your ex is a horrific person or whatever like if you have kids with them it's like no matter what <laughs> save that for like shit talking with your friends save that for like your therapist like don't you know that those statements will be read by like your child that you have together someday yeah so he really shot himself in the foot with that whole thing like he's gonna do what the mother is incapable of doing shutting his fucking mouth <laughs> yeah it's like oh yeah now you look even better telling now two women to like shut the fuck up and that they were fucking stupid and blah, 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 yeah, yeah. With, with a little gaslighting sprinkled and everybody knows privately <laughs> that's not what it is yeah everyone knows privately that she's a but i yeah. can't say that <laughs> yeah yeah we're we're keeping it civil unlike her like that's <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> but ireland at least got her moment to shine moment of redemption at his comedy central roast in 2019 I've said it before. I'll say it again. I hate roasts. I <laughs> would like them to stop, but this one is pretty warranted and nothing like getting roasted by the daughter that you've been an absentee father to. These are just like a few highlights from what she said and why she's my hero. She said, I actually have a lot in common with the people in this roast because like them, I don't really know you that well either. 
(laughs) (laughs) Then, okay. A lot of people only know my dad as an angry guy, but he's much more than some lunatic that loses his temper. He also loses Emmys and Oscars and custody of his firstborn child. (laughs) (laughs) That is a roast. That That is roasting him to a crisp. (laughs) He said the library is open. Reading is fundamental. Uh, (laughs) And like that would have been enough. But no, the the way she signed this off was just after all of the years of giving verbal abuse, it's finally time you receive some. So before I leave, I just like to say something you've never said to me. Good night. (laughs) 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 Nothing but respect for my president, Ireland Baldwin. Absolutely. Get him where it hurts. Like, whatever. Stop protecting men. Roast them. Kill them. (laughs) Publicly. Yeah. 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 With them sitting and having to smile for the camera. (laughs) Mm-hmm. yeah you just know that hurt you know some of those hurt for well, sure. well that's normally why i don't like roast because i find them so awkward because like the person just looks yeah usually so visibly uncomfortable and are trying to like smile and laugh along with it it can be really really hard to watch i watched some of justin bieber's roast that's what i was thinking of yeah that one was pretty it was so awkward <laughs> that one was pretty rough i thought Pete davidson's was kind of funny where he said like um, oh where he said like I'm glad my dad is dead or something like yeah yeah he was like I used to be sad that my dad was dead but now after meeting your dad I'm kind of like oh it could be worse or something like that (laughs) yeah Pete Davidson's comedy if it's not meant for roast then what's it meant for you know Mm -hmm. which by the way did you ever see this is side note did you ever see his uh comedy set that he did roasting his relationship with Ariana Grande um I don't think I saw it I think I just heard about it okay I saw it I thought it was fucking hilarious I actually really loved it um he just and normally like a man roasting a woman I'm automatically like arms folded like "Uh uh-huh but he was just he he was talking about like how much she talked about like him and his body and their sex life and he was like imagine if I was like just going around talking about her pussy everywhere like (laughs) and he's like on that note also imagine if i spray painted myself brown and like hopped on the cover of vogue and was just like saying all this <laughs> shit. i was like that's true um that is you have a point yeah um, he did spray paint himself brown when he was with kim for some well some yeah red carpet appearances well you you either die a hero or you live long enough to become <laughs> the villain <laughs> absolutely but i would love uh if he did a <laughs> if he ever wanted to do a comedy set also roasting his relationship with Kim but I think Chris would kill him with her bare hands yeah yeah absolutely anyhow um anyhow we have to take a little dark detour here um because Alec did kill someone yeah Um, he did not that long ago not that long ago in October 2021 he was filming the movie Rust in New Mexico and he shot a prop gun that did fire, um, shot two people and ended up killing one of them who was the cinematographer, Helena Hutchins. Um, very, very, very tragic. Obviously, we don't think he intended to kill anybody, um, but no. there has been a lot of talk about whether he should be held liable because he, well, A, he was the, uh, pulled the trigger, um, but B, he was, you know, a producer on this movie and there was a lot of corners cut on set and yeah, so he's obviously gotten a lot of flack for this, and the way he's reacted um, has not been the kind, humble <laughs> Alec we've come to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my God. So yeah, there's been a lot of talk of just like 
how everything about the film set was shaky and like pieced together in a really shoddy way and just like very unsafe which which does sound in line with a lot of Hollywood set stories that you hear um Sam I know you've worked on film sets before do you have any thoughts about this yeah I like was a producer on a really low budget indie short film but I did get a little taste of how much pressure you're under time-wise the time constraints can really push you into wanting to do things not by the book not in a safe way and obviously that's why there's you know unions SAG tries to be on their shit about this kind of thing and there were a lot of problems and the union actually walked completely off set only hours before the shooting on this film set oh I thought you meant on your film set no, 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 sorry. No, we didn't have any problems like that. We also didn't have any stunts, anything dangerous going on in this movie, like guns, car chases, explosions, that kind of set. You need so much money really to support the safety regulations that you would need to ensure everything was done in the most professional way possible. This was a really low budget movie and they didn't have they had one prop person and she was like 20 in her early 20s and she was supposed to be like checking the gun for safety and then also somewhere else and she wasn't like this wasn't when when they were shooting they were like rehearsing a scene when this happened just like blocking it and so that prop safety girl wasn't there and um, a bunch of people weren't there that should have been there and nobody knows how did the, a live round get into this gun what kind of chaos could have been on this set that something like this could could happen? It, and it, that a real gun was being used and not... Yeah, yeah, they used a real gun and they do that with blanks on a lot of movies, probably less so now because this is the second time an actor or, or crew member has been killed by a gun that I know of because there was this... This happened in the 90s on the movie The Crow. The lead actor mm-hmm. was shot and killed by yeah. the same thing. Like somehow a prop gun that was supposed to have a blank shot something out and, and kill them. So, yeah. And there like, there's two issues that I see where it's like, there's the, the way that a production can be slapped together, cutting costs by cutting corners, that sort of thing. And then just the fact that it's like people on a film set along with doctors are expected to work round the clock. Like if you're film, if you're filming or you're working for a 20 hour day or whatever it is, you can't be normal. You can't be level-headed and think clearly there's just, it's it's just not possible. Yeah, I mean, like it's it looks really, really, really bad that that dozens of union uh, workers walked off set due to unsafe conditions, and then they pushed to do this shot, and then this accident happened. Like they should have fucking called it a day, figured out how to like raise the standards of their set so that people aren't like passing out from the heat, didn't have water, didn't have oversight, whatever it was that their demands were should have been met, like. If you try to cut corners in this way, this is exactly how accidents happen. And this was a really, really, really tragic one. Yeah. And it and it makes me think like after reading about how this all went down, like my takeaway is not like, oh, how did this happen? But like, how is this not happening more? You know? I know. Totally. Because like, yeah. like how how many film sets was something did something like this almost happen? Or how many yeah. stunt people have been injured, but we don't hear about it, you know, like things like that. Yes, totally. Yeah. And and exactly it's kept quiet if there's like I know Ruby Rose was like recently she came forward and she was on like some sort of I'm so sorry I don't know what it is but it's like a supergirl type show she was on like a superhero show that I've never heard of and then she came forward and said like it's unsafe and everyone feels unsafe on set 
And then she like lost her job and was like, this is retaliation. And like, oh, it's Batwoman. Okay. Yeah. And she's like, they love, they want us to just like be suffering and never speak up and like keep the money coming, but like people are getting hurt and it's not right. And um, yeah, totally. Like it's, it's usually going to be crew. It's going to be um, stunt people. It's not going to be this, the like number one stars, the top build stars are going to be protected most of the time. Or I bet they though have gone through some shit themselves. Like, there's so much secrecy in Hollywood to like keep it rolling. Well, so that's the other thing. Ruby Rose is a huge star. So she's going to have work. Like she can work if she wants to. And saying that a film set is unsafe, like we're kind of, I think, relatively past the time where if women on set speak up about not liking their production, they're not like blacklisted completely. I think relatively, or I think it wasn't as, it isn't as bad of an issue now as it used to be. Yeah, I'm thinking of like, Megan Fox and Katherine Heigl just speaking out against working life on set and, and everyone was like, you're a fucking bitch. You'll never work in this town again. Like yeah. that, I think that age is kind of passed, but it's still the fact that like Ruby Rose is speaking up about this. But if it's like some person holding the boom mic speaks up, no one's going to listen. And also it's a highly competitive industry. So they're going to want to work. And if yeah. you speak up about it, like it, it's a small town. People talk, people know each other. And Oh, you can't even imagine how many times someone's been told, like, there's a million people that would rather be in your place. And if, if you don't want to do it, trust me, we've got a million people that will. So fuck off. Like everyone's replaceable from crew to stars, to directors. If the money, if they, they get in the way of the money or a threatened production timeline, they will be out the door. Yeah. And yeah. And in the aftermath of this happening, uh, Alex spoke out and the way that he was speaking in his interview at the time, I thought it was incredibly insensitive. And it's not that I don't think that now, but now reading it after a bit of time has passed, I'm thinking this looks just exactly like what a lawyer has instructed him to say. Yeah. It's it, giving it's, me kind of like Erica Girardi energy. Totally. I find it weird that he says he didn't pull the trigger and he would never pull a trigger. I'm like, what? Well, uh, so he's saying the gun just like fired out of nowhere. Yeah. It's tough to believe. Um, yeah. And then he also said he didn't feel guilt. So specifically the question was, uh, he was doing this interview with ABC um, and he was asked, okay, you, you felt shocked. You felt anger. You felt sadness. Do you feel guilt? And he was like, no. And he said, someone is responsible for what happened. And I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. I mean, honest to God, if I felt that was responsible, I might've killed myself if I thought I was responsible. I don't say that lightly. Yeah. It's <laughs> unbelievably shady to throw someone else under the bus and say someone else is directly responsible. And I won't say their name, but I know who they are and they are one person and they exist. And like, they're responsible and maybe they should kill themselves. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, I would. Yeah. I would. Obviously oh it's my not God. Me. Yeah. No, it wasn't me. I would never do something like that, but it's like, you're now taking us out of reality because we know that you were holding the gun. So yeah, it is. And like you said, it's Erica Girardi, like being like, I feel no, no guilt for the like orphans and widows. I don't even know if they're lying. I don't know if they got paid, didn't get paid. I never knew about this. So I deserve to keep all my money. Like, it's all just like, you think you're doing one thing by denying guilt here, but you just look like a monster and you're going to turn everyone against you on the jury. I think. Yeah. And I think like, I imagine that high paid lawyers that are going to work with Alec Baldwin are, I'm sure they're good at what they do, but just hearing that statement from his PR person after the whole like Ireland Baldwin fiasco, I'm just wondering if he found like one of the well-paid lawyers who's also like a shark and just like a psychopath who doesn't know how to direct him to say the right things. It's like, I would think just say, 
I'm devastated. Like, leave it at that, you know, not like, well, no, I don't feel guilt. And because it's not me and it's someone I'm not allowed to say who now, maybe later, but you know, yeah, it's kind of giving a teaser there. Um, <laughs> and one thing I will say is that he was directed by the police to turn over his phone um, as a result of this investigation. And he never did. He did not. And he's still kind of on the lam from the like San Antonio or whatever police, um, not San Antonio. Well, I don't know who who is in, whoever was investigating this were like asking him to cooperate, and he has not been cooperating, even though he which, says he has. He has not. Well, we have learned thus far that we can't really take his word for it. And yeah, four so four lawsuits have ensued from this. So first, we have the film script supervisor and his lead camera operator, who are both a few feet away from all this, and they filed a lawsuit over the trauma that they went through. Um, Alec and the film's armorer, armorer, who is the person who was charged with gun safety, but as we mentioned before, like she was not very experienced. It was like put her in this position in the first place. Um, Hannah Gutierrez Reed, and she was named as a defendant um, and blamed by some for the shooting. She filed her own lawsuit saying an ammunition supplier created dangerous conditions by including live ammunition in a box that was supposed to include only dummy rounds. So three lawsuits. And then the final one is, yeah, the, the final one was filed in February of 2022. And it's the family of Helena Hutchins, who was the one who passed away. And they announced that they're suing specifically Alec Baldwin and the movie's producers for wrongful death. And they said the reckless conduct and cost-cutting measures of Baldwin and the film, film's producers led to her death um, through their lawyers. Yeah. I mean, there's like here, like the attorneys have said that Alec turned down training for the kind of gun draw he was doing. Um, they said industry standard would call for using a rubber or prop gun and there was no call for a real gun. Um, so like, and I want to say that what we're saying is alleged, but we're literally reading statements from the attorneys. Yeah. It clearly, the whole set was a fucking shit show and maybe a manufacturer of prop bullets somehow included a real bullet in there. Like, or something that shot like a real bullet, like, but it's all pretty insane. <laughs> it does not, yeah, it does not give the picture of like a safe set and clearly someone's going down for that. Yeah. And also, you know, there's, there's one instance of people hunting someone down to kill them. And then there's this other instance of someone who's funding a picture, calling the shots. They're the big boss in charge. And they could, if they said, stop, we're stop everything. We're going to pause shooting for a week or whatever people will listen um there's the side where it's like if you are in charge and people are saying it's unsafe union reps are walking off and you still push on and you know that it's it's a really dangerous operation that you're filming you're filming a western scene full of guns if you push on and something happens you do have blood on your hands yeah allegedly yeah and and he wants to distance himself obviously from any guilt because this could take a lot of money out of his pocket and from the Baldwinitos in the future. But um, yeah, he doesn't come off looking good from this. I got to say, he's not giving me innocent and contrite. He's giving me like, I did something bad and now I'm going to try to hide the evidence that I kind of knew what I was doing. The rage texts probably were like, we're fucking, we're going to do it live. You know, like, I yeah. <laughs> well, the only thing that really looks good with him is his standalone work in 30 Rock and, you know, <laughs> other, like, it's just, if you just take his acting and his comedy, which is funny on its own, that's the only thing that looks good in this. Nothing that has come out about his character and his persona has looked good. I, I have heard from some people that he's like, 
actually a really nice guy when he's not having his like rage meltdowns he definitely has like friends in hollywood and like people that will stick up for him and say he's a good guy so i'm sure he has many sides but (laughs) we we know his rageaholic side and it's tough to forget yeah i want to say he contains multitudes but (laughs) i don't want to taint that (laughs) say yeah yeah so that that's that and and so yeah it's it's incredibly tragic and i think we're going to keep hearing more about this i mean any kind of litigation takes a really long time to work out so we'll see how that all unfolds and that's a really somber note um but before we end it i want to end it on more of a lighthearted note which is another one of his legal troubles that he got into this time he was the victim so we're switching gears everyone take a breath (laughs) Uh, so this is the story of how Alex got swindled and bamboozled and I'm not talking about his romantic life so (laughs) (laughs) so basically in 2010 there was this artist Ross Blechner who had made this painting um it was in this gallery run by a New York gallery owner named Mary Boone so he loved this painting. He wanted to buy it. Mary was like, yes, love that for you. Let's agree to a price of the low, low price of $190,000. And he was like, great, perfect. Amazing. So it was delivered. It was delivered to him. And he basically said like, something doesn't look right. And he said the brush strokes were less feathery. The paint smelled fresh. And like, he was just like, this doesn't look like the painting I bought. And the gallery owner was like, no, no, no. It's because the former owner was a heavy smoker and the artist had taken the painting off the stretcher and cleaned it and repaired it for me um, as, a, as a favor for delivering it or before delivering it. Yeah. And, and then he was just like, okay. And then six years later, he was sitting around with some of his rich friends and talking about this inci- incident. And they were like, no, 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 no. This is sketchy. This should never happen. No good artist or dealer would clean it without the permission. Um, I think you've been scammed. So he hires an expert from Sotheby's. So I thought he was going to be the bad guy in this situation or like just being crazy again. He was right in this case. So he hires an expert from Sotheby's who says it's not the real painting. It's a print that they like put some gloss over or whatever. Um, Well, (laughs) yeah. So, and he spent almost $200,000 on this, which I was going to say is probably nothing to him, but I actually get, I don't think he's worked a lot. So, and he has a ton of kids, so I don't know, <laughs> probably yeah. needs that $200,000. I don't know. Uh, but he confronts the artist in person. He like invites the artist to a friend's house and corners him and the artist breaks down and admits it. So then he calls up the, the art dealer, the, the gallery owner, and she admitted that she was in on this too and sold him a copy and said that he could return it with a full refund. Um, and so he was like, uh, but like you swindled me. So it, at this point, at this point, this was six years after he bought the painting. So the statute of limitations had passed to sue, but he could file a civil suit for fraud. I think you just can't get as much money from the person. I'm not sure exactly what the logistics of this, but basically the reproduction or the print of this painting is now in his basement and in the civil suit that was filed uh it was said that he could get a few paintings from this gallery like as a sorry on top of the the refund and then he just (laughs) he said 
that he has plans to take the print on the road someday as part of a lecture series on art fraud. He said, I'll call it the boondoggle tour. And he's also said (laughs) that in addition to the paintings that he gets as a reward for this, he said, maybe I'll have the artist paint a picture of the seven figure check that Mary paid me to settle. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, it sounds like a really a poor choice by the people who scammed him because now they've had to pay him a million dollars just to settle and a bunch more paintings. Like, damn. They well, were- yeah, they, yeah, they had to pay him back. I think the cost of the painting plus interest, but maybe they had to pay him a bit more. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like pure rich people problems, but he said seven figures. Yeah. That's a million. Wow. Yeah. Once again, math, my math <laughs> is not strong. So that's, that's more than some interest if it was $139,000, but like, yeah. Um, yeah. Whatever. He somehow turned the scam into a money-making opportunity for himself. So this is a win for him. Huge win. <laughs> Yeah, I see this as a case of a broken clock is right twice a day. Like, (laughs) you know, he's like going off on these tirades being like, how dare you, New York, New York police officers and my like, you know, stopping me on my bike ride. Um, You know, (laughs) like he's always going off on these tirades. And this is the one case where like, yeah, he actually did get bamboozled and both people fessed up and he's like, finally. He's such an Aries, like to bring them to your house and just confront them head on. Like, I love that. Like he, you know, sometimes he yells at the right people, not the flight attendants, not the cops, the bylaw officers, but just, well, um, just shows, it just shows when you go around yelling and punching everything like within <laughs> arm's reach, it's like, eventually you're going to yell at the right person. <laughs> so take that forward, everyone, like just keep yelling and eventually you'll yell at the right person. Yeah. Either yell at no one publicly or yell at everyone. <laughs> And have some money then to throw at things in in the meantime yeah. until you get it right. Yeah. Wow. It's a great piece of advice to end on. Yeah, totally. Um, wow. We've covered a lot of ground. Yes, we have. <laughs> like I've got I have I have like whiplash from like the I different <laughs> from the change from like lighthearted, like cringe to just like, you know, wrongful death to like rich people bickering over like art that they spend too much money on yeah this is a this family has a ups and downs they are out here experiencing life living it hard and i would love to know their finances like has all this drama drained the coffers like hilaria has no job so she needs alec to keep working but his reputation took a huge hit from this shooting yeah Oh God, what I would give to learn so many of these celebrities finances, because I think the reality is so different than what we think for a lot of them. Like, yeah. I think a lot of them are way more broke than, than we think. And a lot of them are, you know, putting everything on their black Amex card or whatever that, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The black card. Unlike- putting money on the black card. I, because even if you make a shit ton of money, if you have this gigantic apartment in new york and And they have a house in vermont that they bought after the shooting to you know get back to what matters the familia but um i don't know how long he can dry his tears on his millions because it's the money's gonna stop coming in like no one's gonna hire him to do an american express commercial now with the blood on his hands yeah there's nothing like endearing or cute i mean even he took all of his scandals like when he was hired onto 30 rock he already had this terrible reputation but it's kind of like he leaned in and the character was uh, like a play off of his public perception of himself. Yeah. 
Totally. And that work. Cause that's like, Oh, you, you know, you've been storming around having a hissy fit all around New York. That's something we can work with. Wrongful yeah. death lawsuits is not cute and it's not really anything that we can redeem ourselves from. No, it's just like as an actor where your brand and your face and you know, like it, it, oof. Yeah. I bet it dried up quite a few projects for him. Yeah. But I guess when you are at that level of household name, maybe you do have enough wealthy friends that you can, I don't know, like get on, get in on some insider trading or like, you know. Yeah. Or just like chill out at Clooney's like Como house for a bit. And like, you know, like being wealthy just creates more wealth and more opportunities for wealth. And yeah, maybe he'll step away from acting and get more into totally insider trading or some sort of NFT scam or something like that. I'm sure he'll be okay. The kids aren't going to go hungry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and not from hilarious Pilates classes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. If they get really down on their luck, Hilaria has to go back out on the Pilates circuit (laughs) to make like 200 bucks a class. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Someone's got to feed the Balduichos. We can't feel too sorry for these people because you really do have access to wealth that we don't even understand. Like we don't even we as much as we also we don't know about their finances. Like literally, we also, like we don't know how many numbers is in a million. <laughs> like, yeah, like we don't know their finances, but we also like don't know the access to wealth and the sketchy shit they're doing behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Alec is a sketchy dude. Maybe he's got his hands in a few different pies. Yeah. If someone said to us, like, if we were with our friends and someone was like, I, I bought this painting, but something feels off, we'd be like, okay, I don't know. Oh, they're you, like, you oh. have no recourse. <laughs> no, but they're like scammers. That happens all the time with these million dollar deals. <laughs> and they, they totally, and he has the like wealth and clout to like actually sue and have it all resolved in his favor so that he just shuts up about whatever gallery this was. And like, if, if someone scammed us, we would just be like, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, I'm stupid I, for ooh. not seeing that coming. <laughs> Another lesson for me. <laughs> Can't yeah. hire a lawyer, but <laughs> yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I think that's about it for today. Um, I guess all I have to say is that um te quiero mucho, my <laughs> little balduinitos, anyone out there listening. And uh yeah. Till next time. Love you guys. Au revoir, mes amours.